0: Hello, Valley Christian Church. Super excited to be here with you guys today. For anybody who doesn't know who I am, I'm Pastor Stephen Francis. Filling in for Dr. Greg today while him and his lovely wife are on vacation. We are in week six of our book series, uh, The Book of James, A Blueprint for Making Faith Work, and I am super excited about your message today. I know I have uh, pretty big shoes to fill because last week we had an incredible message from Pastor Jamie about taming the tongue. But I promise you that if you guys really take hold of what I have for you today, you not only will have a relationship that walks closer with God, but this will greatly affect the course of your life positively uh, from here on out. But before I get into any of that, I want to ask you guys a question here, both here and at our Poughkeepsie campus. How many of you guys have ever learned a lesson the hard way, by show of hands in here? All right, a lot of you guys. I know I have, and I want to tell you guys about an instance when I had just that experience. You see, I grew up in Hartford, Connecticut, and the church that I grew up in— had no valley kids type of service or care. So every Sunday, all the kids would have to sit with their parents, and the parents had to try to keep them quiet while the pastor was preaching. Now, are we happy we don't have that problem here by show of hands? (laughs) Wonderful. Well, my mother's way of keeping me and my siblings quiet was to give us candy periodically throughout the service in order for us to, you know, chew on that and not make too much noise. But when I was about six years old, I kind of started to think that my mother's bag was the candy store. And I'd start (laughs) to sneak it to my mother's bag even when we weren't at church in order to get some candy. This would make my mom mad. She'd be like, listen, don't go through my bag because not everything in there is for you. And I didn't listen. So there was a particular day, it was after church, I was super hungry, my mom was taking too long to make dinner, and I decided to dig through her bag when she wasn't in the room, and guys, I found it. It was like gold, a whole chocolate bar, and I ate the whole thing. I hid it thinking I got away with it, went back in my room, but about 15 minutes later, my mother burst into the room and she was like, did you eat that chocolate bar? I'm scared, I think this is over for me, and I say, yes, I did. Now, I'm expecting that she's going to take away a video game, a toy, maybe even get a spanking, but the next thing she said was worse than anything I could have imagined uh, could have happened to me. She told me that the chocolate bar I ate was not just chocolate. It was laxative. (laughs) (laughs) And for the rest of that night, (laughs) I learned the hard way to not go through my mother's stuff because not everything in there was for me. Now, we've all had an experience like that, right? Hopefully hopefully not with laxative chocolate. I don't know why they make that. I honestly don't. But we've all had a situation where we definitely were like, I'm never doing that again. And we became wiser from it. And I believe God wants us to have that type of wisdom. Not a wisdom that we learn the hard way, but a wisdom where we can avoid the hardships. And I want to give you guys a message tonight that I believe will help do just that in your life. So I've entitled this sermon tonight, Win with Wisdom So You Don't Lose at Life. And this comes from James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Now I'm going to go ahead and read it for you guys. It says here, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show up by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom... Does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now we're going to get a little deep into James chapter 3 in a little bit, but I think we need to ask ourselves one thing what exactly is wisdom? Because there's a lot of different definitions from a lot of different people on what that is. I believe wisdom can be best described as this, making the right choices at the right times. Making the right choices at the right times. And I think another way that we can understand wisdom is that wisdom is the vehicle for the goals of our life, similar to a lot of us in here right now. If you're listening to me talk, most likely you had the goal to make it to Valley Christian Church today. And your way of getting to Valley Christian Church was through a vehicle, because a lot of us don't really feel like walking all that way to get here, as great as this church is. Um, But many times we use a vehicle, whether it's your own car, a bus, whether you're riding with somebody, we use a vehicle in order to get from point A to point B. Well, there's a lot of places that we want to get in our lives that are more like goals. A lot of us have the goals of having great marriages, uh, great careers, raising up great children, or doing great in school. And all of that can be done by God's vehicle that he's created known as wisdom. That is how we get from point A to point B in our life. But that's what wisdom is. But I also think we need to understand what wisdom is not. And I believe that there's three things that we need to clear up about wisdom. First is this that wisdom is not knowledge. You know, knowledge is important, and I believe in order to have wisdom, you need to have knowledge, but in reality, they're two separate things. Uh, You can go to college, and you can get degree on degree on degree, but you can literally, after having all that knowledge, still not be none the wiser. I mean, I think a lot of us have actually experienced this. How many of you guys have met somebody who was pretty smart on paper, but they were really dumb in their decision making? Anybody in here? I know, can I get a witness? But, <laughs> but we know that knowledge isn't wisdom because all knowledge is is facts. Knowledge is information. And another component that comes with knowledge is understanding, which is a comprehension of that information. It's having a proper perception about the information that we've been given. But none of that turns into wisdom until it becomes Action. So let me give you guys an example of this, I think we'll paint a good picture. How many of you guys, by show of hands, both here and at Poughkeepsie, would say that you could use some more money? Anybody in here? I could put two hands up right now. (laughs) So let's all assume then that that's a fact. You've looked at your bills and you've seen your loans, and you notice that they're asking for way more money than is actually in your bank account. So that's knowledge. That's a fact. Understanding is the comprehension of that fact. It's knowing that if you had X amount of money, you'll be able to pay these particular bills. And if you had even more money than that, you'll be able to go on these particular vacations. That's what understanding does. But you haven't become wise until you start making the decisions of doing things like saving the money that you have. uh, Finding a job where you're able to accumulate more money than you usually get. And also even investing your money in particular things in the hopes that you'll get a reimbursement later on that's more profitable to you. So that's how we understand what wisdom is. It's when you take what you have in your head and apply it to your hands and your feet. Now here's another thing we need to understand about wisdom is that age does not determine wisdom. You know, a lot of us, the older we get, have particular life experiences and things that make us a little bit more wise. But at the same time, the older we get, the more likely we are to become more stuck in our ways. And I want to bring up something that we see here in Scripture, and this comes from Psalms 119, verses 97 to 101. It reads as follows. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. Now here in Psalms 119, this is King David speaking. And King David is basically saying that even though he's young in age at the time that he wrote this, he has more wisdom than the elders, than the teachers, than his enemies. And how does he have it? Because he was able to meditate on God's word and became wiser from it. So we see that age is not a determinant of wisdom, but agility is. And by agility, I mean the ability to quickly and easily change. Because that's what wisdom does when it comes across new understanding. It changes to that understanding. But many times what we do in foolishness is we continue to live in that similar rut. The third thing that we can understand about wisdom is that winning wisdom is godly wisdom. You know, there's a lot of people that we can consider wise in our day and age. You can go to a bookstore, you can go to the library, you can get books from Aristotle, Plato, uh, Shakespeare, Gandhi. And I think a lot of those people do have some great things to say about what wisdom is. But I also believe that true wisdom always comes from what God's word says real wisdom is. You know, it says in Proverbs 8, and uh, I'm not going to read it here, but I definitely encourage you guys to read it on your own time, that God created wisdom before he made anything else. And he co-worked with wisdom in order to establish this whole universe. Wisdom is God's invention, and he knows how best it works. But many times what we do with our knowledge or with our wisdom is we try to create our own wisdom that we think works best for us. And many times there's a conflict between what the world says is wise and what God says is wise. And we see this in our culture today. How many of you guys, by show of hands here, would say that you've heard of the phrase, follow your heart? Anybody in here? I know I've heard it plenty. And this is considered wisdom by a lot of people. There's a lot of actual successful people that... uh, that say that they have their success because they followed their heart. But what does God say about the heart? He says in Jeremiah 17 verse 9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And we kind of see this play out many times in our lives, don't we? I think one way we see this a lot is through impulse shopping, believe it or not. A lot of us have been there when we said, you know, I'm going to commit to a budget. I'm not going to spend any more money. I'm going to be sure I start saving. And then, ladies, you've been there before. You go to the store. You go to the mall. And then, all of a sudden, there it is, the perfect pair of shoes are that incredible bag. And suddenly, you start to get those feelings like, oh, my goodness, all of life now makes sense, or whatever. And and you start to justify it in your mind. You're like, oh my goodness, the shoes will go so great with this outfit for this event later on. Uh, This is going to be that great fall winter purse that all my girlfriends are going to be asking me about. Guys, we don't really have this problem, so I'm just guessing, of course. (laughs) But (laughs) we all know that that's not true. Many times with guys, it's not necessarily shoes, but it's sneakers. Many times it's that new television set or that sound system that gets the house booming. But either way, all of us, man and female, have been in a situation where we knew we shouldn't be spending money, saw something we felt we couldn't live without, followed our heart, and ended up spending more money than we know we shouldn't be spending. That's what happens many times when we follow our heart. Spending your money can cause you to, uh, excuse me, following your heart can cause you to spend more money than you know you need to spend. Following your heart sometimes can have you eating more food than you know you should eat. Following your heart sometimes can put you in relationships that you know aren't good for you. I think a lot of people have experienced this, and I've had the privilege of meeting with a lot of people. Um, who sadly fell away from the church or got into a lot of trouble because, you know, they were lonely, they were sad, and they ended up getting in a relationship with someone who wasn't a believer and ended up bringing them on a completely wrong course of life. And, you know, another way uh, I think I see this is a lot of people have great relationships. A lot of people have good godly marriages, but following their heart led them to having affairs and breaking up homes and having awful divorces. You know, uh, I think we kind of see this especially right now in the area of uh, the Ashley Madison scandal. I'm not sure if you guys have heard, but Ashley Madison is a website where people uh, who are married were able to have an account and find other people that were married in order to have affairs with. And after a recent hack this past week, it was revealed that 37 million people had accounts on that website. Even worse, just released today that because those accounts were revealed along with the names and the uh, credit card numbers, that 400 church leaders will be stepping down this weekend due to them being caught with Ashley Madison accounts here in the U.S. and Canada. So we see how following our heart sounds good on paper, but in reality, it causes us to get into certain bad habits and, and make wrong decisions that destroy us in the long run. So what does God say then to do with our heart? It says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's what God says to do with our hearts. But it's completely conflicting with what the world says we're supposed to be doing. But many times I think what we as Christians do is not take follow god's uh wisdom with all of our fullness but instead try to make a mix of what god says we should do with what the world says that we should do you know i kind of created something on here and i hope this makes sense to you guys of how we kind of mix wisdom you see all of us here have wisdom from above and wisdom from below wisdom from above always comes from god's word always has always will be it's always true wisdom But we're not born from above. We don't know all of God's word when we're born. We're born below. So here we have this little circle, and I named it person, but feel free to put your actual name here. And and, and from the time you were born, you follow all different sources of wisdom. The first place that you get wisdom is your parents. And we love our parents. We know they mean well. But a lot of us have had parents that weren't godly people. Maybe only one of them was a Christian. Maybe they didn't become Christians till later on in life. Maybe they still aren't Christians to this day. But either way, the wisdom that we got from our parents did not always match what God's Word says is wise. Then we also get wisdom from teachers and professors. And depending on where you are can greatly affect the wisdom that you receive from them. Some of us have had teachers and professors that said that that we're supposed to live lives that reflect God's Word and, and honor Him. And many of us have had teachers and professors that says that there is no God. And we're supposed to live life with complete disregard for uh, religion and, and, and for anything the Bible says to be true. Another place we get wisdom is from our friends. And we all have friends that love us and they mean well and they want to give us great wisdom. But then we also have friends that we know are just straight-up crazy and we should not be <laughs> listening to <laughs> whatsoever. Nevertheless, they're a source of wisdom in our lives. Then we also get wisdom from television and news media. And this is a big deal because we are super media-driven today in our culture. And you can actually watch a television show or a movie where actors are performing these fictional characters and start to believe that the way that they act and the way that they look and how fit they are are and how healthy they are are the way that you should be. And you start to take that as wisdom for your life. Along with that is news media. CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, where you can watch these particular things and they'll tell you what's going on in the world from their perspective and tell you who you should vote for and what you should invest in. But like I said, you can watch a particular channel and get a a whole different perspective on what life should be like for you to live. A whole different source of wisdom. Also, from there, you get social media. And this is big for my generation because we're big on Instagram, Facebook, and things like that. And the thing about social media that's always dangerous is that social media loves to show the best and hide the rest when it comes to what's real. We can look on a picture on Instagram and think that that's really happiness and that's really joy that we should be pursuing when in reality, it's just Photoshopped. It's just filtered. Next, we get politics. And politics, especially coming up this next year, is huge. Are you Democrat? Are you Republican? Do you like Donald Trump? Do you think his hair is actually real? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe you're libertarian, maybe you're independent, maybe you don't care. But either way, where you are when it comes to politics affects the wisdom that you receive from it. Lastly, we get the church. And I put the church here right below God's word because it's supposed to be an outlet for us to get true wisdom but we also know that the church is filled with imperfect people people who are trying to grow in their faith and understand God for themselves so many times the perspectives that we get maybe in a community group or in a conversation or even up here on the stage is is nice but doesn't always perfectly match what God's word says so what we do from the time we're born and we we'll receive all these sources of wisdom is instead of viewing God's wisdom as supreme and all these wisdoms as below we start to kind of put a circle around it and treat it all as equal. And we pick and choose what wisdom we want and make a mix that works for us. And there's two reasons why this doesn't work. First is because each and every one of us is born with a particular sin nature. And many of the things that we try to use as wisdom and formulate to see that works for us, in actuality, is uh, just working off of our feelings instead of our faith. And we use it as a way to justify certain sins that we do and uh, why we don't care for certain people and, 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 and love these certain people more. Many times that's what we do when we create our own mix of wisdom instead of trusting God's. And the second reason why, we don't, why this doesn't work for us is because God's wisdom doesn't mix well with worldly wisdom. Matter of fact, God's wisdom can only work when we do it God's way. It's kind of like this story that was told to me by a pastor. I want to tell it all to you guys now. You know, there was once a man who lived in the woods, and he had no idea about the latest technology or anything, but he comes out of the woods in order to buy an axe to cut down some trees. He goes to a hardware store, and the man at the hardware store is like, sir, you don't need an axe. What you need is a power saw. You know, with the axe, you can maybe cut down five trees a day, but I promise you with this power saw, you can cut down at least 20 trees a day you're going to love it. It's going to change your life. So the man from the woods is excited. He buys the power saw and he goes back to the woods. But he comes back a week later completely upset. He throws the power saw on the ground and he's like, this power saw doesn't work. I can't believe you sold this to me. It was all lies. You told me I could cut down 20 trees in one day. I only cut down one tree this whole week. I can't believe this. And the man from the store is like, what are you talking about? One tree this whole week? That doesn't make any sense. Sir, let me see this power saw. So he grabs the power saw, he pulls the cord for the power saw, and we know the noise that the power saw makes all the time. It does the boom, vroom, vroom, makes that noise that the engine makes. And the man from the woods, hearing that noise, jumped back, looked at the man from the store and was like, what was that? <laughs> you see, the man from the woods, for anybody that didn't get it, the man from the woods was using the power saw the way you use an ax. And even though it's designed for the same purpose, they have different rules. A lot of us take God's wisdom and try to use it in earthly ways and many times get mad that it's not working out to our benefit. You know, so many times I've met with married couples and they're like, I don't know how to make this marriage work, you know, it seems like we're always fighting and we're not getting along, but they're not following God's word of pursuing God and loving each other the way that they should. Instead, they just seem to always be glued to the television. They can't put the phone down. Same thing with their kids. You know, I've met a lot of other people, and I said this before, and I'll say it again, a lot of young Uh, Christian people that are looking to find a, a good actual relationship and they're upset because they can't seem to find anybody or the people that they date stink and many times it's because they're not really pursuing a godly person they're just pursuing someone so they won't be alone anymore and get frustrated with the results there's a lot of people I've talked to where they get upset that They don't seem to be acquiring any more wealth and they're praying that God helps their business or blesses their wealth. But at the same time, they're not really tithing. They're not giving any of their money to help somebody in need. But at the same time, they get upset that God isn't blessing their greediness. And this is the same type of mentality that we see in James chapter 3. So let's go back to it. Let's see what James is trying to say once again, starting with verse 13. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now, I have to stop right here because I think there's something important that we need to see. If you guys have been following us in our Book of James series, you would know that the Book of James was not written about unbelievers. This was written specifically to believers. So when James is talking about that he sees people with uh, envy and selfish ambition, he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about people that he sees in the church. And he says that this wisdom that these people are showing is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean like scary movie demonic? No, it doesn't mean that specifically. But what he's saying is this wisdom that you're showing is completely opposite of everything God is. But many times, that's the attitude that we have. We have this go-getter attitude where we're trying to satisfy only ourselves and only for the here and now. But God is completely opposite of that. God doesn't want us to live for the here and now for ourselves, but he wants us to live for others, and he wants us to live uh, for eternal things. And this is what we start to see uh, in verses 17 and 18. And by the way, let me also say, and this is a whole other sermon, but I'll just tap on it, that's another reason why a lot of people don't like people in the church. Because many times they come hoping to find godly wisdom, and instead they just find more of the same. So what does godly wisdom then really look like? we see in verse 17 it says this but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure then peace-loving considerate submissive full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness that is what true wisdom is it's not about ourselves it's not about getting what we can while we can it's about blessing others it's about serving the lord so here's the question then. How do we get winning wisdom? How do we live life the way God has told us to do it? I get it. I've been living in this mix. Uh, I've been, you know, doing things my own way, expecting God to bless it. How do I get just godly wisdom? Well, I'm happy you asked. There are three ways and four for us to, in order to get godly wisdom. And the first way, I believe we get that, is by fearing God. Psalms 111 verse 10 says this that the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom all who follow his precepts have good understanding to him belongs eternal praise now i think there's a big misconception many times or a misunderstanding when we say fear god because we don't really know what that means like i don't want to be scared of god the word says not to be scared what does it mean to fear god well put simply to fear god means to take god seriously and to feel the way he feels about things It's a little bit like this. How many of you guys have been driving on the highway one day, maybe the Taconic, you're you're trying to get somewhere, you're in a rush, you got some music blasting, you're minding your own business. Uh, The speed limit's 55, but nobody has time for that. So we're all going 65, 70, what have you. And we're driving up a hill and we get to the other side of the hill and we see a police car parked on the side of the road. What do we all do? We slow down. But why is that? Because the police car doesn't have to use his siren. He doesn't have to use his lights for us to slow down. He doesn't have to follow us to slow down. All we have to see is just the police car on the side of the road, and we slow down. And I believe that's because when we see that police car on the side of the road, we also see an authority that gets our attention whenever we see it. Similar how it is sometimes growing up at home. You know, I love my mother and my father. We have a great time. We joke around together. But growing up, I was always more carefree with my mom than I was with my dad. And any time I started to get a little too carried away and I started to be a little rude, my mother would always drop this line on me, and I know stuff just got real. Wait till your father gets home. (laughs) And when I heard that, I knew, okay, jokes are over. Be serious now. Do whatever she says because we don't want that problem. And why is that? Because I know my dad loves me. I know he wants the best for me. But at the same time, I know that my father is not one who should be disrespected, especially in the household. But that same attitude with my father and that same attitude that we have with police forces is many times not the same attitude that we have with God. And many times we just speed past the, speed past the Lord, giving complete disregard to his ways, Many times, despite how great God has been to each and every one of us, we still make time to just completely disrespect and sin against him. So fearing God is simply taking God seriously and saying, God, if you feel this way about treating my neighbor uh, a particular way, I take it seriously too. I'm going to love my neighbor because you love your neighbor. I'm going to show grace because you show grace. I'm going to love my wife and my children, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my kids, whatever, the way you tell me to, because I respect who you are. That alone gives us a leg up from wisdom more than what the world has to offer. The second thing that we need to do is abide in God. And another way of saying this is let Jesus be your mentor. You know, Colossians 2 verse 3 says this, that in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and this simply means that in order for us to gain more of that wisdom ourselves we just need to spend time with God in order for him to show that to us it's kind of like a mentor is with a mentee now a lot of us have had mentors before in our lives they've helped us uh play a sport better maybe or learn an instrument cook better what have you but I know one of the mentors that meant the most to me was a man named Byron Washington And he has been uh, still a great person in my life. Actually, I got married back in May, and he read the scripture at my wedding for me and my wife. And when I was 18 years old, I remember meeting Byron, and he was a minister at the time. And I remember telling him that I wanted to be a minister one day too. I didn't have any good examples around me of what a minister should be. There were people that were getting caught up in scandals or they were big on trying to get profit from different people. And I wanted to know how I could love God and love people the way I should. And from that day, Byron took me under his wing. I was able to see him preach at certain services and interact with certain people that was both loving but also professional. I got to go home with him, see the way that he loved his wife and he raised his child. I got to see how he did his business, and I got to enjoy how he did his leisure. And to this day, he calls me from time to time to see how I'm doing, pray with me, disciple me. And guys, you know, I'm a young 26-year-old pastor here at Valley Christian Church, but I know for sure I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the mentorship of Byron Washington. And I think a lot of us need to have those physical mentors in our lives. I think that's important. But I also think it's important to have an even greater mentor known as the Holy Spirit that speaks into our lives each and every day in similar fashion. And the way that we get that wisdom, the way that we get that mentorship from the Holy Spirit is simply by spending time in God's Word and praying and, and talking about the Lord and, and, and listening to sermons, materials about who the Lord is. That's how we learn to become mentors of God. And I think that's a big thing that we miss You know, I mentioned uh, fearing the Lord not too long ago, and I think the reason why a lot of us don't fear the Lord is because we don't know who the Lord is. We haven't taken the time to read about him, to learn and grow from him. A lot of us uh, haven't really taken the time to abide in God because we're just a little busy. Sometimes we just can't seem to wake ourselves up early enough, or when we try to take the time out later in the day, we just seem to be too tired. We just don't make that time. But if we did there will be such a change in our lives from that mentorship with Jesus each and every day. The last thing that we need to do in order to acquire wisdom from God is simply ask God. And this comes from James 1 verse 5, which says, that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This is a big deal to me. Because I think many times we fall into this trap of like uh, when there's something going on in our lives and we're in trouble, we seem to ask our parents and our friends and our coworkers. And then after a while, we're like, you know what? Maybe I should just pray about it. Shoot, I can be guilty of being that person that complained about something over and over to somebody. And they're like, hey man, have you prayed about it yet? And I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) probably should do that. But God is eagerly awaiting to give us the wisdom that he needs. And when we ask, he gives it generously. And I think that's something that we can all definitely take advantage of in our lives. Because a lot of us are on the brink of a lot of hard decisions right now. Whether it's with finances, whether it's with kids, whether it's with job situations that we could definitely use wisdom from. And God is literally just a request away to receive that wisdom so i'm going to wrap up here right now but i want to ask you guys the same question that james asked in james chapter 3 verse 13 are you wise are you living by godly wisdom or does the life that you live not have wisdom at all maybe a mix of godly wisdom and worldly wisdom I want to let you know today that God's wisdom works above any other wisdom we could ever receive. And instead of having to go through hardships, instead of having to learn the hard way, we can receive God's wisdom today. And I believe the way that we acquire wisdom is first fearing God and abiding in God or letting Jesus be our mentor, but most importantly, simply just asking God. And I think that that's something we can all do right now together. So if you guys would allow me, let me pray for you in the hopes that we can all just be a little wiser when we come out. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for how amazing you've been in each and every one of our lives. And God, I confess for myself and for everybody here that we could all use some more wisdom. Lord, James tells us that we're supposed to have a wisdom that isn't just gratifying to us but is good, supposed to be used in order that we can bless others and glorify you. And I pray, Lord, just like it says in James 1 verse 5, that that be the wisdom that you give us. That we'll be able to honor you and love you and to walk in your ways and to no longer live in a mix of wisdom but to live in godly wisdom completely absent of selfish ambition and bitter envy. Jesus, thank you today, and we believe that we receive this wisdom now in faith. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.